Thank you, David, and uh, praise team. I always am so uh, grateful that uh, we are able to come into the presence of God through praise and worship and, uh, and be prepared for God's word to speak to us. Um, you know, it's so challenging at times with all of the things going on in our world today and sometimes even just getting uh, to church or getting out of bed and, <laughs> and turning on the TV, um, that, uh, that we need that encouragement and we need that place. Uh, someone said uh, many, many, many years ago uh, that there's fire in the pulpit when there's kindling in the pews. And uh, I don't know how that relates to padded chairs, but I, 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 you know, it's in the heart. It's in your heart. You're being here, those of you who are able, uh, those of you who are watching uh, via live stream, I pray that, uh, that you will sense God's presence and, uh, and be able to, uh, uh, to hear God speak to your heart. Um, I'm preaching this morning a, a topical message called The Church Empowered. And I'll give you a heads up, there are eight points to this, and I figure at 10 minutes a point, we're going to be in good shape and really, really grasp this before we get out of here. Um, I'm hoping we won't go that long. Uh, so, uh, but I do want to focus because often when we're facing crisis in our life or challenges, uh, over a long period of time, especially, we have a tendency to start drawing back. Uh, we start somewhat growing weary and well-doing. And even though we know the Bible tells us that our hope is in Christ, our strength comes from Him, the power of the Holy Spirit is working in and through us, God is working and accomplishing His will, even in the midst of all of these circumstances, sometimes uh, we forget what God has given us in order to deal with the society in which we live and all of the challenges that we have. And, and so the point of this message this morning is to help us understand the toolbox that God has given us, but not just what he's given us, literally what he did in the very first church. And so uh, normally I wouldn't pick one verse and focus on it and from that one verse focus on one word, uh, but that's really what I'm going to do this morning uh, because I want to really emphasize that God has empowered his children with the Holy Spirit to overcome the world. Now, overcoming the world does not mean that we become dominant in the world. It means that we have an impact in the world. And in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, as Jesus is speaking to his disciples, he said that they would receive power. And we understand that word is a word that we get our word dynamite from. And it's, and it's an explosive power that we will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the world. When you think you discovered that, that the religious leaders of Jesus' day were in opposition to him, in fact, from the very beginning of his ministry, they were trying to find ways uh, that they could hinder him or stop him. And even at some point after Lazarus was raised from the dead, uh, they were looking at how to kill Lazarus and get rid of the evidence. 
Jesus then came into Jerusalem. He was hailed as a king coming in, and then he was rebuked and mocked on the cross before he gave his life for us and overcame sin and death through the resurrection. There was always opposition. Jesus had even told his disciples, they oppose you, but listen, they oppose me, and as a result of your relationship with me, they are going to come after you as well. So we have this conflict going on, and it's something that was taking place in the early church. Never has so little been accomplished by so, never has so much been accomplished by so few as Jesus had called his disciples together, and as he died and gave them this mandate to go out into the world and to receive the power of the Holy Spirit so that they would turn the world upside down, it says in the book of Acts. It almost seems like that that world is tipping back up again and it needs to be turned back down again. And the only way that's going to happen is when God's children realize that he has empowered them to go out into this world, not shrink back from it, but engage the world around us. We have nothing to fear. We have nothing to be afraid of. This world's not our home. We're passing through. And while we're passing through, we have the power of the Holy Spirit in us to accomplish what God wants to do through us for his kingdom. It's all about the end result. Not what we can do, but what the Holy Spirit can do in us and through us as we are submissive and obedient to God's will. And that's really what this is about. In John 14, verses 15 through 17, and, and really we're going to talk about a number of passages this morning, uh, so uh, get ready. Uh, but in this passage, John 14, 15 and through 17, Jesus said, If you love me, you will obey what I command, and I will ask the Father... And he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. The spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. And that is what set up the scenario in Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came upon them. Now, in the Old Testament, the, the Holy Spirit of God would come upon those who were prophet, priests, or kings, and they, he came upon them for a purpose, to fulfill a mission in their life. And as they were obedient and they were following, God would honor that. But if they stood against God, if they went off the track, uh, as King Saul did, then the Holy Spirit left them, and in that case, he went on to David, and David became king. So it was kind of one of those things where obedience and, and purpose were involved in the Holy Spirit uh, working through them. But in the New Testament, through Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, Jesus said the Holy Spirit will not only be with you, but he will be in you. You are indwelled with the Holy Spirit of God. And when that happens, you are a new creation. You have all the fruit of the Spirit and you have gifts of the Spirit that God has given you as resources to accomplish what he has called you to do and to be, not just to do. So as he told them this, he was setting up an opportunity for it to be revealed. And in Acts chapter 2, uh, we find that taking place. In Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, the scripture tells us this, that when the day of Pentecost came, 
They were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated them and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues. And that literally is languages as the Spirit enabled them. Vance Havner many years ago made this statement. He said, we are not going to move this world by criticism of it nor conformity to it, but by the combustion within each of our lives ignited by the Spirit of God. And I love that. The Holy Spirit's there, the dunamis. Uh, the explosive power of God is not only available to us, but lives in us in order to move us and motivate us to fulfill what God has called us to do as his children. This is what happened when the disciples had come together on the day of Pentecost. The Holy Spirit filled the house. He moved in them like tongues of fire came upon them. They spoke in various languages so that no matter who was there on that day, and there were thousands of people at present in that time, they could hear in their own language. They could hear and understand what God was speaking through the disciples. They were empowered. I'm going to give you eight things that they were empowered with in the early church. And then I want to apply that to you and I in today's church. Because it hasn't changed. The same spirit that indwelled them indwells you and I as his children. The very first thing that I see here is that they were empowered with miraculous speech. Remember, these were, uh, these were not the cream of the crop. Uh, in Judaism. They were not the priests and the teachers, uh, all those kind of people. No, they were fishermen. They were tax collectors. They were regular guys. And listen, the Holy Spirit, when the Holy Spirit empowers you, you're not a regular person anymore. Now you're, a, you're, you're an heir of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. You represent Jesus Christ. You are his ambassador. And everything God has, he's given to you to use for his glory. In Acts chapter 2, verses 14 through 21, it says then that Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd. It says, fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It is only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness, the moon to blood, before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Peter stood up and, and made this great message, this, this message, this sermon, the proclamation of what God had done and who he was doing it for and who he was doing it through. He gave him miraculous speech. Now, for Peter, we, we have to remember, Peter many times spoke, but not with miraculous speech. Many times Peter spoke like you and I do, just spontaneously, didn't think about what he was saying. 
he wasn't an eloquent guy. He wasn't some learned uh, prophet. He was just a regular guy and, and fill, filled with the Holy Spirit of God. And he stood and he spoke this wonderful message. Then in the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 2, verses 1 to 5, Paul reminds us of his message. Now remember, Paul was a, a, a Jew of the Jews. Uh, he was the best of the best in everything it talks about in Philippians. But listen to what he says in 1 Corinthians 2, 1 to 5. When I came to you, brothers, I did not come with eloquence or superior wisdom, as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I came to you in weakness and fear and with much trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of what? The Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on men's wisdom, but on God's power. Miraculous speech. They were also empowered with miraculous healing. And we see that in Acts chapter 3 where Peter and John were heading to prayer at the temple. And they were passing through the beautiful gate. When a lame man asked them for money, Peter looked at the man and he said, Silver and gold I do not have, but what I have I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. God worked great works. In fact, Jesus said, you'll do greater works than I do as he was preparing his disciples for his departure. He empowered them with the ability to bring miraculous healing. Now, that doesn't mean that you can walk along and just touch somebody or just say something to them and, and, and they're going to be healed because we know God is sovereign and God has control over all of those things. But he does allow us to pray and to seek his will. And there are times, even today, when God in a miraculous way through the prayers and the ministry of his people will bring healing to someone who is ill. In fact, James talks about how he's supposed to call upon the elders of the church to come and anoint them with oil so that they might be healed. God still works through healing ministry. It's not the name it and claiming healing ministry. It's not that my power is greater than someone else's. It's not that you can go buy some trinket somewhere and lay it on a person's head and they'll be healed. No, it's the ministry and the heart and the service of God's children praying and seeking God's will and asking God to bring healing into a person's life. And God still is in the healing business. Whether it's mental healing, whether it's physical healing, all kinds of healing, God is still doing that and in a miraculous way to bring health to his children according to his will and purpose. They were also empowered not only with miraculous speech and miraculous healing, but with a miraculous message. In Acts chapter 4, verses 4 through 12, the Sanhedrin had asked Peter and John, by what power or name do you do this? Speaking about their preaching and about the healing of the man that was lame. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, notice, 
filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, It is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. He is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the capstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men whereby we must be saved. They were amazed that Peter and John could stand and speak to them in the way that they did. Because they were not speaking in their own power with their own knowledge. They were speaking in the power of the Holy Spirit. Proclaiming the truth of who Jesus Christ is. So that they might know. They were empowered with a miraculous message. You see... Sometimes we don't understand that it's not our delivery. It's not even uh, our putting together some formula or some uh, plan of information to try and help people understand the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's your testimony and your understanding of what Scripture says, the word of truth, as you proclaim it, as you share it, as you teach it, as you preach it, as you minister to others with it. It is not your ability. It's the power of the Holy Spirit through you and your obedience and your servanthood toward that that people come to know Christ. We are just the conduit through which the Spirit of God works. But for that conduit to be there, we have to put ourselves in positions where God can use us. We have to be hypersensitive to the moving of the Holy Spirit, to directing us, guiding us, putting us in positions of, of influence and, and relationship so that as the message is preached, preached and taught, the Holy Spirit begins to work and He draws them to Himself. If it's about us, then we're going to fail every time. Ours is not to bring people to Christ and convince them. Ours is to be the mechanism through which God uses, uh, works through us. He's the one that brings people to salvation. When I was a new believer and we had had a revival uh, down in Bosque Farms, First Baptist, and um, I, I wanted to be evangelistic. And uh, so they gave me uh, some names of people in the community to go see. And I can remember, I can remember driving by these, these folks home, I don't know how many times, five, six, seven times, driving around the block, absolutely afraid to go up to that door. And I was by myself, which we should always follow the rule of twos, because, you know, two are better than one. Uh, I should have had another person with me who was more mature, another believer, but... I wasn't. I was on my own. And, uh, and it took me six drives around the block before I finally went up to the house. I knocked on the door and I, I introduced myself and asked them if I could come and, and talk to them about Jesus. And they said, oh, well, we're, we're believers. We go to this church over here. I went, oh, great. <laughs> At least I went to the door. You know, it just took me six times around the block to do it. We, we need to understand that we are empowered by God. We have the authority of God to do this. And that we need to just trust him and go be obedient. And when God is moving us to see someone or talk to them, we need to just pray that God will give us the strength and, and the ability and the, and the submissiveness to just go do it. And then let God take over from there. And let the Holy Spirit work. Uh, we have a miraculous message, but it's not our message. It's his message. Number four, they were empowered with a miraculous understanding of discernment. 
In Acts chapter 7, uh, there, there were men who would be appointed by the church to deal with those types of situations where there was conflict and there were problems. And this was about uh, some of the widows, uh, Hellenistic widows, not being treated the same as the others. And there was conflict. And so the, uh, the apostles said, listen, we need to, to find seven men of good report. What? Full of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit would give discernment to them and help them do that. These men must be known by that. Holy Spirit and wisdom. The apostles understood that their calling and mission was to prayer and the ministry of the word. And they needed to get other men full of the Holy Spirit with wisdom to deal with this. Another incident in Acts chapter 10 where Peter was praying on the roof of a house. He was given understanding when praying. God had sent Cornelius to find Peter and to bring him to his home and preach to the Gentiles. In chapter 10 verses 9 uh, it begins this way. It says, then uh, Peter speaks to the Gentiles. You are well aware that it is against our law for Jew to associate with the Gentiles or to visit him. But God has shown me that I should not call any man impure or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without objection. The Holy Spirit was working, taking away some of the baggage that Peter had built up in his own life in relationship to those who were Gentiles. And the Holy Spirit gave him understanding and discernment so that he would go. Number five, they were empowered with a miraculous endurance. Certainly every disciple faced the challenge of their calling and mission. They, they faced rejection and hate, persecution and death, yet they continued on in the ministry. Paul said in Philippians 1.21, he said, for me to, to live is Christ, to die is gain. He was on mission. Every moment of his life, everywhere he went, he was on mission for Jesus Christ. For me to live is Christ, to die is gain. What could they possibly do to him that would take away Christ from him? Nothing. He's with Christ down here. He'd go be with Christ in his kingdom if something happened. He lived by that. In 2 Thessalonians verse uh, chapter 1, verse 4, it says, Therefore, among God's churches, we boast about your perseverance and faith in all the persecutions and trials that you were enduring. Paul was talking to this church in Thessalonica and acknowledging that they were enduring and they were persevering against all the trials that they were having to face. They had a miraculous endurance. We can run a race, but if we're running in our own power, we're not going to run long. And we're not going to run effectively. It's only through the power of the Holy Spirit that God gives us that miraculous endurance to continue on in the face of opposition. Because we know that the end result is going to honor and glorify God. That it's not about us, it's all about Him. And folks, we need endurance right now. We need perseverance. We need patience. But not to sit back and wait for things to change or wait for things to get better so that we can get back to what we used to think is normal. I think in a few years we'll look back on these past years and think that really wasn't normal at all. That was abnormal. Normal is what we're doing now in the midst of this societal change, in the midst of the, the, the opposition and, and, and the hostility that might be 
facing the church in the years to come, much more than it is even now. And we only have to look around the globe to find those who are so faithful, faithful unto death, persevering unto death, enduring unto death, and loss of all of the things that they have. That's the perseverance that we need. And it comes through the Holy Spirit. And it's a miraculous perseverance, a miraculous endurance. Number six, they were empowered with a miraculous determination. Paul, like the other disciples, was determined to be in the center of God's will no matter what the cost was. And listen, it, it doesn't matter where you're at in life or where you're at in the world. The place for you to be is in the center of God's will no matter where that is. No matter what circumstances you're dealing with. If you're in the center of God's will as best as you can be, you're going to experience all the blessings of God, the joy, the peace, and everything else that comes along with that. In Acts chapter 16, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia. In verse 9, it says this, During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, Come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. There was a determination that was really based upon an overwhelming submission to go wherever God wanted him to go. Oftentimes we are sensing God wanting to do something in our life, maybe moving us. Uh, maybe a changing direction in our life. Maybe changing a ministry in our life. And one of the first things we may have a tendency to do is start looking at all the reasons why we shouldn't do it. All the way that's going to impact us. Well, how is that going to affect this? Well, what about this? Well, what's going to happen if we do this and now this is going to happen? What are the end results of all of this? Instead of simply saying, Lord, whatever you want me to do, I will do. Understanding that you will take care of all the rest of it. That you'll take care of the circumstances. You'll take care of the challenges of following your will. That you will do all you need to do to get me where you need me to be. To be in the center of your will to accomplish the ministry you have called me. Sometimes we let those things get in our way. But a determined believer with a miraculous determination given to us by the Holy Spirit will set the course that God has given us and follow it and stick to it and fulfill that course in our lives without turning back and without questioning. One of the things I've shared over the years with pastors and people having to make difficult decisions is this. So I don't want you to look at all the circumstances why you shouldn't do something. I want you simply to take time and pray and ask God one question. What do you want me to do? That's the only answer, question you need an answer to. Because if God is going to tell you to do something, he is going to provide the means and the way for it to happen. And you will be fulfilling what God wants to do in your life. doesn't make sense to the world, but it certainly makes sense in how God works. You have to have that determination. I'm going to follow him, and I'm going to be obedient to him and submissive to him no matter what anyone else says 
or anyone else does. Paul was determined to stay true to him. Seventh, they were empowered with a miraculous confidence. This confidence is not only seen through the lives of the disciples, but through their hope and joy in the Lord, uh, which confidence breeds. If you remember the story about when David was going to take uh, some bread and things to his brothers and in the army of Israel, and, and he shows up, and they're all kind of cowering behind the rocks, and this great big guy, Goliath, is challenging and mocking and blaspheming God, and, and David hears this, and, and David says, isn't somebody going to do something about this? And uh, nothing was being done. Saul was kind of cowering uh, in the rocks as well. And David said, well, you know what? I'm, I'm not going to take this. This is wrong. And so he decides he's going to go face Goliath. Saul hears about this. Saul takes him and he says, I want, here's my armor. And Saul's armor, big, heavy, they put it on David. And if you remember the story, David said this, I cannot wear your armor. I have not proven it. God gave me miraculous ability to kill a bear and a lion. He said, but I've not proven this armor. I'm going with only what God has given me. And so he takes off the armor. He goes and stands before Goliath with the five smooth stones. And he rockets that stone. And listen, uh, David was probably a great shot. But the Holy Spirit of God drove that stone where it needed to be and gave the victory through David, a shepherd boy, not recognized by anyone else, but used by God to accomplish a great thing. Listen, if you let your circumstances deter you or depress you about making decisions for God, then you need to go back before the Lord, ask forgiveness for that, and say, Lord, I am open and ready to do whatever it is you need to do through me, and I'll be submissive to that. And I have absolute confidence that if you call me to do this, you will accomplish it in me. 1 Thessalonians 5.24 says, Faithful is he who has called you who will also do it. It's not about you. It's about him through you. Finally, they were empowered with a miraculous peace, joy, love, and hope. This is when the world looks at you and thinks you're off your, off your rocker, you're a little crazy in the head, that even in the midst of circumstances, you can be joyous, you can have a peace. You don't have to be overwhelmed by everything. You don't have to be depressed by things. You have a peace and a joy. You have a hope and a confidence that God is doing what he is going to do. He's got control. He's already written the book. He already has the journey fulfilled. He knows when he's going to come back, and he knows everything that's going to happen in between. We are on that journey with him is all we have to do is follow the path, go through the things that God wants to take us through that we can grow in our faith and dependence upon him and obedience to him and let him get the glory. God gives us the hope, the peace, the joy, and the love that we need. Jesus said, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid. In 1 John, it says that there's no fear in love. There's no fear in love. God's love. Don't be afraid about what's going on in the world. Don't let it 
bog you down. Don't let it keep you from doing what God's called you to do. Embrace it. Embrace it. Let God teach you and move you and open the doors that need to be opened and be submissive to that. In Romans 15, 13, Paul wrote to the believers in Rome. He said this, May the God of all hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. I think that's pretty powerful. I think that's, that's something we need to remember and recognize in our own hearts and in our own lives as believers. So let me apply this to you. You as a born-again believer in Jesus Christ are just as empowered with the Holy Spirit as they were in the early church, in the first church, at the time of Pentecost when God empowered them and filled them with his spirit. You are empowered with miraculous speech. Even when you don't know what to say, God will say it through you. Jesus told his disciples that when you are brought before synagogues, rulers, and authorities, do not worry about how you will defend yourselves or what you will say, for the Holy Spirit will teach you at that time what you should say. He's going to speak through you. I don't know how many times in kind of a spontaneous situation somebody come, has come up and kind of confronted me with something over the years. And, and I just, man, I'm just thinking, I have no idea. And, and then all of a sudden, God brings to mind things that I read or I studied or I understood many, many years ago. And I'm able to share and speak it. And after that situation takes place, I walk away thinking, wow. I, I, I never would have thought of that. But God's Spirit gave it to me at the right time for the right moment in the right place to the right person. He will do that with you as well. You are empowered with a miraculous message. Jesus Christ and him crucified. Paul said in Romans 1.16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew, also to the Gentile. Listen, you have the message. And the message is the power of God working through you to bring lost people who are without hope in the world, who are sin-ridden, who needs to know of the love of the Savior. It is through the message of Christ that they will come to know Jesus as Savior and Lord as the Spirit works through you as you proclaim that message. And listen, the idea of just living a good life as a Christian is not a gospel message. The message comes first and the life is reflective of that message. If you never speak about the gospel of Jesus Christ and just live a good life, there are thousands and thousands of people doing that all over the world who are just as lost as can be. The message, the truth of God's word has got to be shared with them through the power of the Holy Spirit. You also have, are empowered with miraculous healing. You have faith, you have comfort, you have God's word to strengthen the weak, encourage the downhearted and the brokenhearted. You can pray, you can minister to those who are hurting. Jesus said he went throughout, uh, the Bible says he went throughout the villages, teaching and preaching and healing everywhere that he went. The preaching ministry, the teaching ministry, the care ministry, all of that brings healing and comfort to those who are hurting. 
You are also empowered with miraculous understanding and discernment. The Spirit of God will help you understand His will and purpose. He will give you insight to His Word as you study it and read it and as you pray, as you seek His direction. The Holy Spirit will give you the direction you need. You are also empowered with a miraculous endurance that in the face of every trial, you know you can endure to the end because the presence of Christ is in you and the strength of Christ is given to you in your times of weakness. You are also empowered with a miraculous determination, whether you know it or not, it is there in the power of the Spirit because you know the power of the gospel to change lives just as that Holy Spirit and that gospel changed your life. If you've ever thought back to that time when you surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, when you trusted him by faith, how your life changed. Mine changed in just a moment. It was just that moment when I acknowledged my sin and I desired to turn from my sin. And I absolutely believed what Jesus did on the cross paid for my sin and that he rose from the grave. I didn't understand it. I didn't have all the the training. I hadn't had lots of Bible knowledge at all about it. I just believed it. And when I believed that the Holy Spirit came into me, and filled me, and I began to grow as a disciple of his. Have that determination, knowing that the message of the gospel changes lives. You're empowered because you know the power of the gospel to change your life as he will others. You are also empowered with miraculous confidence. You know from your knowledge of God's word and the presence of Christ in you, the power and purpose of God and what that means to a lost world. Paul wrote in 2 Timothy 1.12, I know whom I have believed and am convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him for that day. We have that hope. We have that confidence in him. You're also empowered with a miraculous peace, love, joy, and hope that only comes through your relationship with Jesus Christ. You have it all. God withheld nothing from you when you became his child. He has empowered you to go out and be his children and his ambassadors. He's empowered you individually. He has empowered you corporately as a body of Christ. He has empowered us regionally as followers of Christ. And he's empowered us globally to go out into all the world if we go out together and we serve together and we are united in love for him and one another and taking the gospel message and ministering to our neighbor. Many, many years ago, if some of you and some of you do remember Life Magazine. Life Magazine was one of these big magazines and it had black and white photos in it. And I loved it as a kid because you could just sit there and kind of flip through all the big pictures and read the captions and the stories. It, it was just a, a great magazine, great photo, photography had taken place. But one, uh, one month, they had this very interesting story, a very sad story. And it was about a family that was on a wheat farm. And, and the series showed, the series of black and white uh, pictures uh, that, that took place in this situation. The first picture was a very dimly lit kitchen where a distressed mother sat 
surrounded by people who were obviously attempting to bring comfort to her through a long night. The mother had been outside taking care of chores one day, and the fields were high, ready about for harvest, and their little boy took off into the field, and she couldn't find him. She searched, and then she called her husband and the other family members, and they started searching, and they couldn't find him. They called the community together, and they went looking all around for this little boy lost in the field. Finally, one of the men decided that instead of them going different directions, they should make a circle around the house and everybody just go out united as a circle and seek to find him. The sad reality was that they did find him, but he had died out in the field. The very last picture in the series was of the father of the little boy his face was streaked with tears and dirt. He was carrying his dead son from the field and just was coming out of the field. The quote from the father under this picture was this. If only we had joined hands sooner, he could have been saved. We live in a world filled with people who cannot find their way. Distractions, obscure they're seeing Christ. We are empowered to join hands to sweep the fields for those who are dying without Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And the question is, will you join hands together to go out through the fields which are wide unto harvest and seeking those who are lost without Jesus Christ? You have the power to do it. Because the Holy Spirit lives in you and will work through you to accomplish his will. Father, I am so grateful that you have loved us so much that Jesus died on the cross to bring us out of darkness into the light. To not only give us that assurance that one day when we die, we will be with you. Or when you come back, you will take us to be with you. But you've given us the assurance that right now where we are at, where we're living, what we're doing, we have been empowered to represent you, to go and speak and minister and to discern and to heal and do all the things that we just looked at that the early church has that we still have today. And that working unitedly and together, we can go out throughout the fields and seek those who are dead in their trespasses and sin. Share the miraculous message of Jesus Christ, death, burial, and resurrection. And allow your spirit to draw them to the foot of the cross where they can be saved. I just pray, Father that you will work through us individually and corporately and regionally and globally to not give up, not to step back, not to retreat, but to engage, even in the circumstances of our world today, engage the darkness for the light overcomes that darkness. Help us, motivate us, inspire us, and then send us to do your will. For I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Pray that God has spoken to your heart this morning. Take some time and just think about how you've responded to God's working in your life.
remind yourself of the Holy Spirit that's living in you and the empowerment that he's given you to go out and do what God wants to do through you specifically in your life, in your family, in your neighborhood, in your community, so that through all things, he will be glorified. If you'd like to follow up with our, the church here at Hoffmantown, you can go to hoffmantownchurch.org and uh, contact them as you're leaving. Uh, if you have questions or someone you want to talk to, if you'd like to know more about giving your life to Christ, uh, there will be people out in the hallway as you leave. You can ask to speak to any one of them, and, uh, and we will be glad to pray with you and to talk to you about what it means to become a child of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. May God bless you and keep you. May he encourage you and strengthen you throughout this week. And we do this in Jesus' name. Amen. We'll be dismissed.